0: $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states.
1: I, 34 female, was hanging out downstairs while my child 5 male years, not months, slept upstairs in bed just like every night. I have a camera baby monitor that is close circuit, does not even connect to the internet. Basically only a camera and a handheld screen, doesn't hook up to a cell or anything. Anyway, last night I was sitting on the couch watching TV when I noticed my kiddo moving around. So I started watching the monitor to see if I needed to run up and lay with him before he fully awoke. Then it looked as if he was lifted an inch or so and tossed. So then I really watched the monitor thinking I didn't see what I thought I saw. Then it was like he got scooted up. Then it was like something had him by his upper arms and pulling him up into a sitting position with his head back like when you are trying to move someone that's sleeping and they are limp. I immediately ran upstairs and flipped the light on to find him sound asleep between the pillows covered in sweat. I called my husband in a panic because I was very freaked out, and he told me that I probably didn't see it right or was imagining things and to not let it bother me. I could not get my heart rate and breathing to calm after about 10 minutes of sitting in the bed next to my sleeping kid, so I ended up scooping him up and brining him downstairs to sleep on the couch because I sure as hell wasn't going to sleep up there, and neither was he. My husband said it was stupid for me to do that, but I was very uncomfortable being upstairs. My son slept through everything from being scooped up, carried downstairs, and being placed on the bed, as well as me staying up for several more hours watching TV, not being able to sleep and woke up when I got up for work this morning at 5 AM. I don't even know what answers I am looking for, I'm freaked out and terrified of what I saw. Today I had another scary experience. It was around 4.23 a.m. I woke up from my sleep and felt thirsty, so I drank some orange juice next to me and planned to go back to sleep. After a couple minutes of quietness, I felt sleepy and closed my eyes until I heard knocking on my window, which scared me. I felt fear when I heard it because my window is next to me. It's above me by seven inches. This was the second time I heard it since a month or two ago. I remember it so well because I was up watching some cartoons around 2am when I heard knocking coming my window, and I didn't bother looking outside since there is some curtains blocking the view. I told a friend about this today, and they said it was probably some branches or an animal but I told them I sleep in the second floor of the house and there is a screen window frame outside the window, which is impossible for something to knock from the outside without removing the window screen. Does anyone have any experience with something or have any ideas on what it could be? A year ago, the crone-like spirit of an old woman haunted me. A medium explained that this spirit was my teacher in a past life and that she'd returned to guide me in divination and intuition. My attempts to establish a safe relationship with this spirit were not respected, so I asked a shaman friend for help in clearing this entity from my house. The night before my friend came over, I was so nauseous I could barely sleep. That entire day I collected things for the ritual. I had 13 red and 13 white carnations, Florida water, the bell and candles from my own altar, and sage. I felt prepared, if uncertain. When I did sleep that night, my dreams were dark and disturbing. My husband, the cat, and the dog all seemed on edge. That morning, my friend arrived shortly after my husband left for work. Opening all the window and the doors, we began setting up the space by lighting candles and smudging every corner of the apartment. The sage burst and crackled, shedding sparks among thick, fragrant smoke. I lost two good duvet covers that day. Both pets retreated immediately beneath their respective beds and stayed hidden for the duration. Preparing to call the cardinal corners, my friend used his phone's compass to confirm the directions. It was way off. I know my house and my corners, and so oriented us correctly but I felt suspicious, like maybe the entity herself was sabotaging our efforts to remove her. Finally, we began. My friend, beating a low, steady rhythm on his animal skin drum, invoked the guidance and protection of the spirit animals, of the earth and the sky. I followed behind him, ringing the altar bell as he spit-sprayed mouthfuls of spirit water throughout the apartment. Throughout this, two things rolled around in the back of my mind. The first... What will the neighbors think? The second was that I might vomit. The nausea I'd felt since the night before had increased past the point of simple discomfort. Next, my friend took the red carnations in batches, dipping them into a bowl of spirit water, then circling them in midair, just like we'd done while smudging. He went room by room, discarding the used flowers onto the newsprint we'd placed on the coffee table at the center of the apartment. Halfway through his work, He paused and suddenly rushed into the bathroom, becoming violently ill. In that exact moment, I lost the battle with my own nausea. Thank goodness for close friends and multiple bathrooms. Eventually, he'd used all of the carnations throughout the entire space. Perched on our couch, he ended the ceremony with frantic drumming and full voice singing. I could physically feel the energies in my home shifting around us, I gave one last thought to our neighbors and then joined him. My throat raw from the smoke and being sick, I sang out in my loudest voice to move the energies swirling throughout my home. Finally, the ritual was over. We placed the white carnations in a vase on the coffee table. If the ritual had truly exercised the spirits, he said, the carnations would still be white tomorrow when we woke. I thanked my friend and he laughed. At his instruction, I then bundled the red carnations in the newsprint and carried them to the seaside, burying them in the sandy soil near a banyan tree. I was too tired when I got home to notice if anything felt different. I simply stumbled inside and fell straight into bed, briefly mourning the burn holes in my duvet. I slept most of the afternoon and all through the night. The following day, the white carnations were still white. I also wrapped these flowers in newspaper burying them beneath a different tree in the park as i covered my parcel with the last handfuls of soil the nausea i'd felt for days cleared instantly like gray clouds clearing to reveal blue sky i suddenly felt fine also very hungry i returned to a house that felt peaceful and ordered i paid careful attention over the next several days trying to suss out whether our banishment had succeeded The crone was, and nearly a year later still is gone. Phew, I know that was a lot. I've had many strange and spooky experiences throughout my life. Holler if you'd like to hear more. Thanks for reading, folks. This happened to me and my then roommate a few years ago. We were just chilling on the couch and listening to the rain outside when at one point we started talking about how the rain sounded like the sea and how we pictured a lighthouse on a windy shore. I know this sounds crazy and maybe like we were on drugs, but we were not. We were completely sober. Slowly but surely the conversation between my friend and I started to shift to a visualization or perhaps a hypnosis. It's unclear to me how this normal conversation about a lighthouse turned into the shared vision or dream it did, but at one point we were both there in the lighthouse. We both saw a man there, dressed in a yellow raincoat. He had a weathered face and a grey beard, but most remarkably in the place where his eyes were supposed to be, there were two black holes, as if they had been gauged out and only some rotting black skin remained. We both felt this intense urge to get out, so we ran away from the lighthouse to the woods as he followed us. I'm not sure about how we woke up from this hypnosis, dream, vision, or whatever it was, but I remember realizing this was bad and we needed to wake up, so I urged my roommate to do so. After I returned to my body, I gently woke them up and we discussed what happened. When we had entered this state, it was around 12 midnight, but when we woke up it was about 3 a.m., yet it felt like we had only been doing this for 15 minutes. The next day we both separately drew the man we saw. We were both illustration students without having discussed what he looked like. We drew the exact same man and had given him the exact same name, the Weirman. My question is, what was this? A state of hypnosis we entered through the rain, fully adieu, or something supernatural? If so, does anyone recognize a figure of a lighthouse keeper in a yellow raincoat with no eyes? Yes, this is real, and it happened this morning. I woke up feeling like any other ordinary day. The sun was slowly peeking through the curtains, casting a warm glow in the room. I needed to charge my phone, so I went to unplug my roommate's phone to plug mine in. That's when I saw a missed call notification on her phone. Curiosity got the better of me, and I glanced at the caller ID below the phone number. Without thinking, I blurted out the name of the caller to my roommate. She chuckled, assuming I was playing a prank, until I handed her the phone. I could see her face change in an instant, her expression filled with disbelief and fear. She stammered, telling me it was her mom who was calling. Her mom, who had tragically passed away in 2006. The phone call had ended a second after she realized who it was. As she tried to gather her thoughts, she decided to call the number back. To our astonishment, an automated voice answered saying, Press 1 for yes and 2 for no. We were both perplexed and terrified. How was it possible that her deceased mother's phone number was calling her? Her mom's number had never been stored in her contacts. It couldn't be a simple glitch. This was far too eerie and unsettling for that. A million questions raced through our minds. Was someone playing a sick joke, or was this something much more sinister? Could someone be stalking her, using her deceased mother's number to torment her? Or was it some inexplicable paranormal occurrence? We sat there, hearts pounding, minds racing. The room seemed to grow colder as we contemplated the inexplicable event. Our thoughts were consumed by the possibilities of what this could mean. Were we in danger? Was her mother trying to send a message from beyond the grave? Neither of us knew what to do next. Fear and confusion engulfed us. We decided to reach out to friends and family to see if they had experienced anything similar or had any insights into this strange phenomenon. No one had answers, and each call only added to the sense of unease. Hours passed and we were still no closer to understanding what had happened. It felt like we were caught in a surreal nightmare, unable to wake up. As the day wore on, we tried to distract ourselves, but the bizarre event lingered in the back of our minds, haunting us. Finally, as the evening set in, we found some solace in each other's company. Together, we held on to the hope that maybe it was just an inexplicable glitch or a cruel prank. We agreed to keep a close eye on her phone and seek help if anything like this ever happened again as the night crept in we sought refuge in the presence of friends and tried to find comfort in the mundane routines of everyday life yet deep down we knew that this strange and unsettling event had forever changed our perception of reality to this day we remain haunted by that inexplicable phone call we may never know the truth behind what happened that morning but one thing is certain it left an indelible mark on our lives a chilling reminder that sometimes the boundaries between the living and the beyond are not as clear as we'd like to believe so someone was following me home yesterday and now i don't want to leave the house my 15f was walking home from the store yesterday and I saw a black box car drive past me extremely slow and the man in the car clearly watching me. And when he fully passed me, I saw him watching me in his rear view mirror. I thought it was weird and slowed down my pace so that I could tell if he was waiting for me or just a slow driver. He was still driving extremely slow, but moved a little when he saw two guys riding past on bikes. He then moved to the edge of the short street we were on and waited there. I was still towards the beginning of the street, so I acted like I forgot something and turned around to get out of his sight. I waited and kind of peeked out to see if he had left, and when I saw he was gone, I continued walking. I didn't think it would happen, but I made a mental note that if I saw the car behind me, it meant he circled back around. After I continued walking, I made three turns and was three turns away from my house. When I was walking up a little hill and almost at the four turn, I looked back and saw the man at the corner I had just turned from, letting me know he circled back around to find me. He sat there watching me continue walking until I got up the little hill and turned the corner. Then as I had just barely made the last turn and was close to my house, I saw the man's car just turn the corner up the street, straight across from the way I was walking, waiting there. I pulled out my phone to call my mom and walked the other way, and he left soon after i pulled out my phone. My mom came out and walked with me back to the house, and I didn't see the car for the rest of the day. But I keep thinking, he knows what neighborhood I stay in. What if he comes back? What if the next time he comes back I'm out by myself again? What if no one's home to call? What if he sees me leaving and comes back when I'm the only one home? I'm so scared he's going to come back, I don't want to go outside. I don't want to show him where I live especially because I'm home alone very often. I have summer school and I have to go, but I don't want to leave the house in fear he might be waiting for me. And I'm constantly looking out the windows to see if I can spot him, especially since if he was at the store I was at, he definitely stays somewhere near the neighborhood. Okay, so ever since I was five, I have been sensitive to energies. I see ghosts and speak to dead people and such. But this is crazy because it has happened not one, not two, but three times. The first time it happened, I was five. I remember I had just gotten home from kindergarten, and I went to take a nap. During the nap, I remember sitting at a table with my papa by this time in his life. He already had bad heart failure and kidney failure, so he was on dialysis. He told me, Don't worry about anything. You will be okay at this time. I was newly diagnosed with hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, and that would to me later having open heart at 10, and now at 16 I'm in heart failure and stage 3 kidney disease. He also told me that he loves me and that he would watch me forever. I woke up and my mom was crying. I found out that my papa's heart had stopped. The next time this happens, I'm around 10 years old. I was at my dad's house and I was going to bed. My dream sequence started with me seeing my aunt on a beautiful homestead or ranch. She was dressed in a flowing white dress and she just looked so at peace. Then I see this dark figure come and it takes her away. While she's screaming and getting taken she looks at me and says, I'm gone now. I woke up and I found out she overdosed. The last time this happened was probably four years ago, maybe even earlier. I was sleeping at my grandma's house, and I have a dream about her sister. My great-aunt, my great-aunt, had bad dementia. I see her, but younger. And literally all she said was, I remember everything again. And I kid you not, the next morning I find out she passed. In my family, a lot of people are Catholic, but a lot of people are also psychic and or mediums. I think I'm an empath because of my sensitivities and a lot more experiences I've had but I don't know, this is kind of freaky. So to sum it up, I agreed to taking care of this family's dogs for five days and the dogs have been great. Happy, healthy, normal pups in a somewhat seemingly normal house. I met the lady prior to coming and even came in the house and things seemed normal. First night I got here was fine until about the second day when all of a sudden the AC stopped working. It reached all the way up to 83 degrees where I was staying upstairs, so I had to move down to the basement, including the animals. Third night, we are downstairs in the basement. Prior to going to sleep, I left my phone plugged in vertically on the nightstand next to me and had all the dogs in their spots for the evening. I wake up at 4.30 a.m. I can tell by my watch to my phone being unplugged from the wall and phone completely dead. I then think that's strange because Ernst is no way I could do that in my sleep, but whatever. I get up to go use the restroom and I hear something in the bathroom. The shower was turned on and running water was going straight into the drain. With that being said, there was water soaked all over the ground. I had to use six towels to clean it up. Then the next day rolls around and I decided to give one of the dogs a bath in the upstairs shower at this point. The AC guy came out to fix it and said there was nothing he could do until he was able to check the pressure within a few hours he would come back. He never came back and the AC went back to normal when all of a sudden the whole shower rack falls on my head and almost hit the dog. Anyways, as the night unfolds, I slept fine, but I woke up at 7.30 a.m. to let the dogs out and I go to look at my phone and the charger is bent and stuck inside my charging port. Now I have to use a different one It's my last night here, and I don't really know what to expect now. Maybe I'm just overreacting. But something just doesn't feel right. Is this maybe something paranormal? Or just paranoia lol? Okay, so I've never posted like this before, so forgive me for any mistakes. But about an hour ago, I headed to a nearby lake a place I usually go for my therapy sessions because it's usually pretty serene and peaceful. About 90% of the area can be seen from the busy road, however there are a few blind spots. So I pulled into my usual parking area and immediately got a weird feeling when I saw another car parked kind of hidden under a tree close by. I'm a female in my 20s, so I'm always on high alert. I made sure to keep my eye on the car when getting my stuff together in my car. One second I look up and no one is in the car, and then a couple seconds later I look again and a man is suddenly sitting in the driver's seat staring at me. It was like he came out of nowhere. At this point I am pretty wary about going out into the grass by the lake, but I continue to slowly pack up my stuff while continuing to keep an eye on the man in the car. I open my door and the man immediately gets out of his car and stands in front of it, doing a weird stretch and still staring at me. This lake is very close to a very popular amusement park, so it's not uncommon for travelers to stop at the lake to rest. So I try to reason in my mind and decide I'll just sit in the car for my therapy appointment. I still had about 15 minutes before it started to get settled. So I get into my back seat and close and lock the doors but rolled one window down because it was hot in the car. I open up my laptop and I look over at the man again, and now he's opening up an almost empty bottle of windshield wiper fluid and starts to pour it into his car as he looks up at me. His whole vibe was sketchy and creepy and I was debating on leaving. The man then pulls out his phone, does something on it, then continues to fill his washer fluid. All of a sudden, a white van with no windows rolls up and parks right behind me. No one gets out. I immediately climb over the console into the driver's seat and started to pull away. The van was close to my car, but there was enough room for me to back up and pull out of there. A couple seconds after I pull away, the van follows, and the man gets back in his car. I panicked, but was able to pull out onto the road in between two cars, so the van wasn't able to catch up with me. I made sure no one was following me as I drove home. It might have all been a coincidence, but better safe than sorry. I also called the non-emergency line just in case, and they said they would send an officer out there to patrol the area for a bit. Thanks for reading if you did. It was a scary experience, especially as someone who's been SED. I'd like to hear any feedback or similar stories if anyone has any. so our boys' ages are three and two. A few days ago, about 30 minutes after we had put the boys to bed, I was in our front living room when all of a sudden I heard our oldest son crying out for me. I peeked my head out into the hallway and looked into our other living room real quick to see if my husband was already on it. He wasn't, so I walked down the hallway and went into the boys' bedroom and both of the boys were sound asleep. Weird. I shut the door and walked into the main living room where my husband was and told him what just happened. He just shrugged his shoulders and said he didn't hear anything. The room I was in is closer to their bedroom so I could see how he didn't hear him. Then last night, just after midnight, I laid down to go to bed. I was almost asleep until I heard my youngest son start to cry over the monitor. I waited a few seconds to see if he was just moving around and would fall back asleep or if it was the real deal. He starts hysterically crying, so I jump up and run down the hallway to their bedroom. The boys are sound asleep. I'm very confused. I go back to bed and fall asleep. Now a little back story. I am a very heavy sleeper. My husband always had to wake me up when the boys were babies when they would wake up in the middle of the night because I didn't hear them. He always says I could sleep through the world ending and I would never know. So after I fell back asleep, I get woken up at 5am to my youngest son, hysterically crying again over the monitor. A little side note, both times I look at the monitor, I don't see either of the boys moving. I see them peacefully sleeping, but I hear the saying. I get my sleepy self up, look over at my sleeping husband, thought it strange that he was asleep and didn't wake me up, and sleeplessly walk down to the boys' bedroom. They are both sound asleep. Now I feel like I'm losing it. I know what I heard. No TVS were on when any of these occurrences happened. We don't own a radio and our monitor is one of those dinosaur ones so it doesn't hook up to Wi-Fi or anything. And the first occurrence with my oldest son I heard with my own ears when my son was crying mommy. I didn't even have the monitor on. I feel like I'm going crazy. Nothing like this has ever happened before. One time I got woken up to something whistling outside our bedroom windows at 3am, a a few months ago. It kept moving from one window to the other in a matter of seconds. Very eerie whistling. We have a fenced-in backyard and the one window is in the fenced-in area. Our fence is six feet high, so that scared me even more thinking something was on our roof. I was absolutely terrified and frozen in bed. It finally stopped and I went back to bed. I talked to our next-door neighbor about it that's lived out here his whole life, and he said he's seen and heard things out here that people would think he's insane. We live on a quiet, dead-end road with a swamp or heavy woods in our backyard. In 2009, I attended college at the University of Maryland or Eastern Shore. I always felt overwhelmed with studying and assignments and spent most of my time inside. My roommate and I decided to abandon our schoolwork one weekend and have an adventure. We agreed to go to a Ceddesg Island. It's a barrier island and a refuge for wildlife. I was most excited to check out the feral ponies I had heard about. There do not seem to be many places where you can see wild horses anymore so we decided to camp even though it was the off-season and chilly. At least there were no crowds. We borrowed a bunch of gear from our hardcore camping friend and headed out. We stopped at the visitor center, and the rangers told us where we would be likely to see the horses. They told us to make sure we put away all of our food items whenever we were away from the campsite. We showed them the bear-proof cooler we had borrowed, and they said that was fine. We set up our camping spot and went to the recommended trail and when we were out there we caught sight of horses off in the distance. They told us to stay at least 40 feet away. We were happy to get a distant view of horses across an inlet. However, we were really excited when the herd stormed through the water and toured the area where we were standing. There must have been three different herds while we hiked that morning. We had binoculars to spot them in the distance and were satisfied with our sightings by noon. We had a cookout and relaxed on the beach. I was ready for bed early and got into my sleeping bag after sunset with my book. I must have fallen asleep immediately. The next thing I knew I was woken up by something howling. Now I'm familiar with coyotes and wolves, but this did not sound like that. It was higher and more shrill. It gave me goosebumps all over, and I could feel it getting closer. I convinced myself it must be one of the island foxes, so I just fell asleep again. But then this horrible growl woke me up again. It was a low growl, guttural and rumbling. I could hear something rustling outside the tent. It was probably half an hour before the noises stopped, and I could sleep again. The next day, we decided to take the wildlife loop trail. It was maybe three miles long, and gave good views of Martian forest. We spent a long time exploring. By the time we decided to head back to camp, we were both pretty tired, and it was almost sunset. We came over the crest of a dunes, and could see our tent a ways away. It looked like it was fluttering in the wind more than it should be. I could tell there was some stuff on the ground by the tent, and I remember saying how weird that was. As we got closer, we could see that the tent door was hanging unzipped and flapping around. The stuff on the ground was our gear, sleeping bags and clothes. We thought someone robbed us. We knew we hadn't left any food unsecured, and it didn't seem like an animal's work because the zippers were just pulled down like a person would do. Inside the tent, there were muddy prints all over the ground cover and tarp. If I didn't know better, I would have thought they were from a giant dog. Our bags had been opened and all contents had been removed and thrown around. All the food locked inside the cooler was missing and everything was covered in sand and mud. We were totally astonished and then I noticed that growl I heard the night before. I was instantly terrified. I can't tell you how primal it sounds. My roommate and I rushed out and heard it coming towards us as it came from behind the trees. We both screamed when we saw this huge werewolf-like creature. It was obviously eating something and looked like a six- or seven-foot-tall wolf, but had a man's torso. It had a long snout and sharp fangs, and when it howled it sounded like a human scream. It was facing sideways from us, so I couldn't really see its eyes. However, its back was kind of hunched over, and it had massive shoulders. It never looked at us. It finished what it ate, and then turned away and disappeared into the trees. We were literally shaken from seeing that thing. We knew we had to leave. Ave. We pulled everything out of the tent and shook it off as best we could. We threw everything in the trunk and raced out of there. We stopped at the ranger station, but it was after hours and nobody was around. We didn't know what to do and went home. I called them the next day to describe what we had seen. I have no idea if they took me seriously or if they thought we were just seeing things. I'm a pretty big skeptic of anything supernatural, and I have a firm belief that everything can be explained by science. So I can't recall anything but one incident. It happened about 18 years ago. My wife's parents' house is a ranch house that is carved into the side of a hill. In their basement, they have a nice wood-burning stove and a big old comfy couch and some crocheted comforters that are amazing. It was Thanksgiving, and we had just eaten. I didn't drink back then, either. No meds to speak of. Perfectly healthy. It was my wife, her parents, and her two sisters. In classic form, I go downstairs after turkey, dressing, and all matters of food. I curl up on the couch and take a nap. The wood burner was on, but closed, so no noise, the curtains down. There were the light-blocking kind, so it was pitch black. Awesome right. I am snuggled up in this blanket and I slept for an hour and a half toasty. Just fantastic. I wake up. It, of course, is still pitch black. I stand up and make my move to the light switch. As I start walking there, I hear something. When I say hear something that isn't really a good description, it wasn't like in my ears with a direction. You know how you can tell where a sound is coming from. This sound was coming from inside my head, not my ears. And it was loud the voice which was neither man or woman whispered loudly. (laughs) Haha, 18 years later I am getting chills typing this. Juoen. My name obviously is John. I stood there in the dark. Dead still. About five foot from the light switch. Not scared. Confused. Okay, who the hell is down here? Where did that come from? Who was that? I didn't recognize the voice. I waited for it to repeat. I stood there for a minute with no light on. Nothing happened. So I walked the five foot to the light switch and flipped it on. Click. Looked around the basement. Nothing abnormal. I heard the rumbling of people walking around upstairs and talking lightly through the floor. So I put my pants back on and walked up the stairs. My wife, her parents, and two sisters are sitting at the table. So not even thinking. I said to them, Ha, ha, ha. Very funny whomever was downstairs. They all looked at me and you could tell the look was totally confused. My family is the jokesters. My wife's family is the serious people. My wife's mom says, John, we were all up here talking. Then it hit me. That voice wasn't them. Then I got serious chills because it didn't make sense. But I was such a skeptic, it couldn't be anything but them up to that point. Then my wife said something about how their cleaning lady had said she heard voices down in her basement a few years back, and the father also said the crazy aunt heard someone down there once. Then there was insane talk about Indian burial grounds and other stuff. I have never experienced that before, and in 18 years haven't again either. Just strange. Ill will never figure it out, I am sure. So two stories, both from my dad, who is an avid outdoors men, hunter, and fisherman. Early bow season, he went out scouting for whitetail. He walked around from dawn till about midday until he came to a large clearing. Inside of this clearing, he noticed what he claims to be hundreds of 55-gallon steel drums cut in half. So being a curious person, he decided to go look unknowingly stumbling into a large marijuana grow operation. According to him, he was like F this and just left. Second story is in rural Alabama, once again, hunting in a new area. Came to what looked like meadow with tall grass, apparently, he stumbled over what looked to be a cross. When we returned to camp, an inquiry was made about this, and apparently, it was an old slave graveyard. It's just weird how the ghosts of history can sneak up on us in weird ways. So this time I wasn't intending on going a hike or camping or anything like that. I had gone to a state park near my home to just walk on one of the trails they had. So I'm walking along its broad daylight out, maybe one in the afternoon when I noticed a side path going off the trail. Now if you have some experience hiking, you will know about so-called social trails, which are paths made by people to get to interesting sites and such. Well, I figured this was just a forming social trail and go off on it to check out what people are going to see. I don't walk that long or far, far enough that I can't see the established trail anymore, but not so far I can't tell where I am in comparison to the trail, if that makes sense. Well, I come this clearing and in the middle of it is a tiny graveyard, maybe ten headstones in all. It was surrounded by a simple wooden fence and had an old rotted wood bench in the front of it. First off all, let me tell you about the feeling I got from this place. It was... sad. Just so very, very sad, like you know how in Harry Potter they describe the presence of a Dementor being like all the happiness in the world was gone, and you could never feel happiness again. Well, that's what it felt like. I went from being in a fairly good mood to... Well, anyways, it was weird. Secondly, the gravestones were old... Some were crumbled and fallen while others were worn and had plant life grown over them. Naturally, I went over and tried to find dates on the stones. Nine out of 10 of the stones' words were worn away, but as luck would have it, the last stone wasn't completely worn. I couldn't read it, but as I felt it, I got the person's death date was July 13th, 1817. This graveyard was at least almost 200 years old probably older due to the state of the other markers. After all of these observations, I decided to pay my respects and be on my way. I stayed a little longer seeing I figured these people hadn't had visitors in a while. There was an old bench that I sat on at the front of this graveyard and rested a moment talking to them for my own comfort, I guess. Some time passes and I figure I've bothered the dead's rest long enough so I leave, find my way back to my trail and continue my walk. Suddenly my phone goes off six seven times in a row and I check. I have seven new messages. My phone was acting like it had been off for the past ten minutes and suddenly I had reconnected to it again. Weird, but whatever probably a weird glitch or something. I finish my walk and stop by the visitors center to buy something from the bending machine and talk to the park rangers there. I have become friends with one of them up there and asked him about the graveyard. He gave me this really confused look and said there isn't any graveyards within the park. I get a serious look and tell him to stop joking, and he just shrugs repeat there were no graveyards within the park. I then explain to him how I had spent a whole ten minutes sitting at this graveyard. He gets this really confused look this time and said I had been up at the trails for three hours, and he thought I had gone on the ten-mile trail. He saw my car driving past earlier. Checking my phone, I was shocked to see it was 4 p.m. I had been at that graveyard for three hours, and it only felt like it was ten minutes. So turns out my ranger friend has been keeping a logbook of weird experiences and happenings within the park and asked me to write mine. I did and went home. I don't know what happened, guys. Where was I? I'm a biologist, and I had the incredible opportunity to explore the vast wonders of the Amazon rainforest. It was an expedition like no other, surrounded by the lush greenery, diverse wildlife, and the constant excitement of identifying various species of plants and animals. Each day brought new discoveries, and I felt like a kid in a never-ending playground of scientific mysteries. As I ventured deeper into the bush, I relished in the joy of identifying trees, Birds, monkeys, spiders, and so much more. Every find filled me with exhilaration and a sense of purpose. But then, one fateful day, everything changed. I was following a faint trail through the dense undergrowth when I noticed something peculiar moving in the shadows. Curiosity took over, and I moved cautiously closer, my eyes widening in disbelief as I laid eyes on the strangest creature I'd ever encountered. It was like an alien from another world a surreal manifestation of the Lovecraftian horrors I'd read about in my spare time. This creature defied any classification. It seemed to possess attributes from multiple phyla and species, stitched together in a bizarre and discomforting amalgamation. Its form was utterly incomprehensible, and my brain struggled to process what my eyes were witnessing. It was as if I had stumbled upon a secret of nature that had never been meant for human eyes. The encounter left me speechless, unable to find the right words to describe this unearthly entity. It was beyond any scientific understanding or known taxonomy. I felt a mix of wonder, fear, and reverence for this enigmatic being that seemed to defy the laws of nature. As a biologist, I had dedicated my life to unraveling the mysteries of the natural world, but this encounter had humbled me beyond measure. It was a reminder that no matter how much we know, The universe is bound to be more vast, complex, and unknowable than we can ever comprehend. For days, I found myself haunted by the image of that creature, the indescribable beast that had forever altered my perception of the world. I couldn't help but wonder if I was the only human who had laid eyes upon it, or if someone else in some obscure corner of academia had stumbled upon a similar enigma. As I continued my journey through the Amazon, My heart pounded with both trepidation and excitement. The Lovecraftian horror I had encountered had shaken the foundations of my understanding, but it had also ignited a spark of unyielding curiosity. Despite my inability to grasp its nature, I knew that this encounter had changed me as a biologist, as a person. In the heart of the Amazon, I learned that there will always be mysteries lurking in the shadows, waiting for the intrepid souls who dare to explore. The discomforting unknown now beckoned me, and I couldn't help but embrace the awe-inspiring grandeur of a world far more vast and inexplicable than I had ever dreamed. My time slip story happened in the summer of 1987. One night, I experienced something that enabled me to see the world through someone else's eyes for no longer than a minute. It scared me senseless at the time, and I have no explanation for the events all those years ago. The backstory is this. My then-girlfriend, we'll call her Helen, lived in a big, former vicarage built around the 1800s, in a small village in Yorkshire, UK, some miles from my hometown. Her father was a wealthy guy who worked for the government. He bought the house for the family to live in a couple of years earlier, and renovated it to bring it back to its former glory. One August weekend, Helen had the house to herself. Her brother and parents were somewhere else. She decided to have a small party. I was instructed to bring my buddy, Tim, along. It seemed that one of her friends had a thing for him and really wanted to meet him. So the party was me and Tim, my girlfriend, and three of her mates from university, one of whom was the reason my friend was reluctantly set up to meet. Okay, so the scene has been set, We turn up with a large quantity of beer and attitude. I did my part by bringing Tim along to meet the girl. However, he then got drunk and embarrassed and failed to fulfill his expected role of sweeping this very pretty but rather dull young woman off her feet. He wasn't concerned about romance and enjoyed himself in his own way. We were twenty and that night beer and silliness took over. It was a night I will never forget. By midnight, the girls were all in Helen's bedroom doing what girls do when things happen. They were ganging up together and probably having a group anti-men therapy session. At this point, Tim and I were ready to find somewhere to fall into deep sleep. We decided to worry about facing these disappointed women in the morning. I wasn't drunk, but I drank enough beer and didn't want to drive us home. I suggested we find a bed somewhere in this sprawling, rambling old house. Now imagine a house with maybe 12 rooms upstairs. I knew the door to the bathroom and to Helen's room, but every other door was a mystery. Tim and I walked to the end of a passage and pushed open a door. The room was empty except for two small ancient iron beds squeezed against the wall and a few packing crates. There was no carpet on the floor and no other furniture. It was like a small storeroom, but there were beds and we weren't too fussy. In our sleepy state, We just fell asleep. The next thing I knew, I was sitting up in bed, looking out of the window opposite. The window had five bars, upright bars like an old jail. The sun was streaming into the room and it was blinding me. Outside the window, I could clearly see the branches of a large tree as they moved in what seemed to be a very windy morning. The next thing I realized was that the room was filled with furniture, very old fashioned furniture. It seemed like a nursery with a rocking horse in the corner, but there was no ceiling electric light. Not sure why I looked up, but I did and remembered there was no light. As I tried to make sense of where I was, I could hear people moving outside the room. I could also hear the distinct sound of china cups and plates chinking as people carried and served food. I tried to get out of my bed, but I was totally paralyzed from the waist down. My legs wouldn't move, and I panicked. I looked to my right, and there was no other bed, snoring Tim. I was terrified. A door opened, and a young woman walked into the room. She started speaking to me, but no sound came out of her mouth. She was dressed like a servant from a period movie. There was no kindness or smiles. She came in and spoke to me, no idea what she said, and then left. At this point, I was shaking like a leaf and trying to figure out what to do next. I remember thinking I should check the time. I looked down at my watch and everything went dark. I could hear snoring and my digital watch showed it was 3 10 a.m. Wherever I had been, I was back where I needed to be. I leapt out of bed, felt for the light switch and turned it on. Everything was 1987 again, confirmed by the language from Tim who was woken up by the light. The rest of the night passed without incident. First thing in the morning I was awoken by the sunlight streaming through the window. This time there were no bars on the window, no tree limbs bending the shafts of light that streamed into the room. It was just an ordinary window. I went downstairs, leaving Tim to sleep. Once the girls had poured me a coffee, I took it outside into the large garden. I needed to see where the tree had gone, the tree that I saw so clearly a few hours before. Helen and her friends followed me outside and I explained what had happened, that I had seen a huge old tree and bars on the window. The tree was gone. No tree stump anywhere near the building. I saw the small window of our room and then we saw a rather hungover Tim smiling weakly, waving from the same window, who had heard us talking outside in garden. The story might have ended there. I believe that for a short period of maybe 30, 45 seconds, I swapped places with a former occupant of that room, at a time when there was no electric light, bars on the window, an old tree beyond the window, and a rather unhappy servant whose voice was on mute. After I told Helen everything, she went quiet and said nothing. Have you ever been to my dad's study? I answered that I had not. She said follow me and we walked into a downstairs room where her dad worked and had his den. He collected documents and photographs from the house's history to help him and the architect renovate it to its former glory. She pointed out a set of five old sepia photographs which were framed on the wall. The earliest dated from about 1880 through maybe 10 years judging by the ages of the children of presumably the same family. It shows the resident, the local vicar, sitting in the garden with his wife and family. He was dressed in Victorian dresses, sailor suits, and starched collars. There were, I think, eight children, and one was in an ancient wheelchair. They were all arranged in front of a huge oak tree, behind which the window of our time slip room clearly had bars. The boy in the wheelchair looked about twelve and was clearly very disabled. He didn't appear in any of the later photos on the wall. So that's my story. People will say, yeah, the guy had been drinking I had, but no amount of German beer in Marlboros, there were no drugs involved, would cause me to experience what I did. The weirdest thing about the whole event was that it felt hyper-real, like everything was turned up on a TV contrast, brightness, color, everything except the volume on the grumpy servant. I will never forget how terrifying the whole thing was to me. I haven't had anything like that happen to me again, nor do I want to repeat it. My experience left me fascinated by the time slip stories that I know you enjoy. However, I had a genuine wish to never again pass through whatever dimensional or time-space curtain exists, and it really does exist.